if you are here listening to this podcast, you have at least some interest in personal development. But what you might not know is that personal development and specifically personal development for women is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, that's right. Billion with a B. So today, my guest Ashley Morgan and I go into all kinds of details on why the personal development space seems to be so one-sided and how you can leverage your personal power to take advantage of everything that is available to you. So Ashley, in her coaching career, talks all about career pivots, promotions, pay raises, specifically for women, and she is an absolute expert on how to utilize your mindset to up-level in your personal development and in your career. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. You're listening to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski. It is my purpose in life to use the lessons I've learned from more than a decade of leadership experience in everything from business to politics to nonprofit and the military to help you become the leader you've always dreamed of having. Whether you lead a network marketing team, a Bible study, a global brand, or a family of four, Every week, I'm going to walk you through tangible ways to grow your influence and make your vision a reality. So if you're ready to drop the burnout and bullshit strategy you've been fed and design your own aligned leadership style, you're in the right place. Let's go. Ashley, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, I know I've known you for quite a while now, at least on Instagram, but (laughs) I know that you are going to bring such immense value to everyone listening today. So again, thank you so much for joining. Well, Sarah, I am so privileged and so honored. Um, I just take it so seriously when someone invites you onto their platform because I often think of it as like, you know, these are your people. These are your families. And so when you invite in a new voice, a fresh perspective, you're opening yourself up to that other person. So um, I know you take that very seriously. You've cultivated an amazing community of people. Um, and so I just uh, consider it a privilege to to come in and share, share with your folks. Yeah. So we are going to hit on a bunch of topics today, but one of them is professional development and some of your qualms with the professional development, I guess, circle or online space. So before we get there, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about you and how you got to where you are now? Okay. Well, first things first, I feel like maybe you're going to get me in a little bit of trouble. (laughs) I may go on a little rant or two. I feel like that could happen. Um, but I, I'm a mindset and career coach. I spent 16 years in corporate America managing and leading teams. Um, by 25, I'd led um, up to 100 people and business units valued at $150 million. And most recently, um, in 2020, was laid off during the pandemic and decided to take my side hustle of career coaching full time, started a company. 
Uh, and so now I do corporate talks and um, coach one-on-one and run group programs, uh, primarily in the mindset and career space. And so I've, I've spent all of my life really passionate about personal development and professional development. I'm, I'm a total introvert and book nerd. I love to read and I have ever since I was a kid. So it just feels like it's been a very natural transition to be in this um, space of the online world and um, just this concept of, um, I think, development, despite the challenges <laughs> that exist, I think, within the industry, which we'll, we'll touch on a little bit later. But uh, I just think my work as a leader especially being responsible, not just for my personal production, but helping other people maximize their personal potential. Um, Personal development is so central to that. So, you know, I think that's kind of how I I ended up where I'm at now. Awesome. And I, I personally, having followed you on social media, love your take and I, I guess your sass that has to do with so much of this personal development and specifically when you speak about women and their careers. And I know you and I have gone back and forth so many times on so many of these things. You know, you coming from corporate America in a male-dominated field, me coming from the military in a male-dominated field. So not inviting you necessarily to go off on your first tangent, but (laughs) why is it so important for you to speak to women the way that you do? Mm. Well, I, I say that I'm real truth with love, right? Because I think that number one, the foundation of transformation has to be genuine care and genuine concern. And, and I think love, like truly, like I think you have to deeply love yourself and you have to deeply love the people that you serve in order to do the kind of work that you and I both do. Uh, Because it's not an easy job when you dedicate yourself to service, right? Like you're giving of yourself, you're putting yourself out there, you're making yourself more visible. And so, um, you know, first and foremost, it, it comes from a place of love. But also I just... I know that socially we are conditioned into smallness. We're conditioned into safety. We are conditioned uh, to not speak our truth and not speak our mind. And at various points in my life, I know that I have sat through conversations or um, meetings or just situations where I didn't speak up. And I tend to be pretty sassy if you know me in real life. Uh, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've been more reserved, right? I've pulled back on that and I've not been as, front, as upfront and open and honest as I wanted to. And I've walked away from the, some of those scenarios with regret, feeling like I left words unsaid. And then I thought about if that were to keep happening, what would the world look like if there are so many women like me who have thoughts and opinions and, you know, decades of experience in, in all of these various settings that where you could be making an impact for the women coming behind you, but you don't say anything like what will the world be? Right. I don't have any children yet. I mean, that it could happen. Who knows? We're not sure if it's in the cards, um, but I have a niece and she's six and she has so much audacity. And she has so much natural born leadership and she talks and walks and acts in a way where she expects people to pay attention to her. And I think so often about 
the world I'm creating now as an adult for who, you know, for what she'll encounter when she moves into adulthood. And so I think about just the generations coming behind me and and I just can't help but to, you know, take a strong approach because um, I just feel like it's a worthy call. It, it absolutely is. And I love that we, we share part of that same mission. And, you know, I always talk about, you know, you don't have to be a 50-year-old white dude in a suit to be a leader. That's not, that's not what leadership looks like anymore. I mean, if you look at a lot of the, the traditional leadership books that we read, right, it, it might look like that. But there are so many women, especially now in this online space, who are up and coming, who are trying to change that, that stereotypical look at what a leader looks like. And I love that you're trying to do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love the work you do because you call it out. (laughs) Because you just say, here's what we've been sold in terms of the model, right? Like, here's what we've been told leadership looks like. And so there's actually a book, and I, I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head, but it talks about how we essentially have these various positions like doctor, lawyer, manager, you know, CEO, CFO. And if you ask people to describe what they think those positions, like someone in those positions look like, um, what do they look like? It often ends up being someone who's older, white and male. And so if we establish male, like white male as the norm, then anyone who doesn't fit that kind of stereotype is considered, you know, a marginalized person and on the edges and on the fringe. And, you know, I have 16 years of experience leading and managing people. I don't fit the bill at all. And I've had a whole lot of success. And then there's a whole lot of people who could look at me and say, well, if she can do leadership, then I can do leadership. So I feel like there's an obligation. And, you know, I think to you, when I think about what I know of your story in terms of leadership and the military and politics and just the things that you've been a part of, like, there are so many people who need to see your brand of leadership versus, you know, what they've been taught leadership looks like. Right. I now think of, when I think of leadership, I think of a lot of my friends who are moms with messy buns and yoga pants. Yes. (laughs) And they are on Zoom calls while there's something cooking on the stove and they've got toddlers playing behind them. That to me, the ability to not just lead in a boardroom, but the ability to lead your business, lead your family, lead in your community. That means more to me than 60 bestsellers ever will because that to me is real and that is what both you and I and so many other women are aiming to change for little girls like your niece who are coming up behind us I could not agree more I could not agree more and I think it's even important to just shift the conversation around leadership right like we often think of leadership as this like external Thing, right? I'm leading a business. I'm leading a company. But the first person you lead is yourself. 
Like that is the first kind of you, I I say, right. I'm in the coaching space. So I say, I've got to be my own best client. I have to coach Ashley first to Mm -hmm. be an effective leader, right. To be an effective thought leader, to be an effective coach, to be an effective daughter, sister, friend, like just thriving member of society, right. Like I have to have conversations with myself to make sure that I am, you know, living in alignment with my values and being an integrity and just being the kind of person I want to be in the world. I have to tackle that first before I can think about leading a team and driving production and driving results, right? So um, I think it's so important to be just changing the narrative around leadership. It starts with you. And then it's and then you can look at your family and your community and see all of the places in which you're influencing people to a specific outcome. And once you start to do that, I think the topic of leadership becomes so much more inclusive versus just looking at it from the perspective of there are people in a boardroom sitting around a table making decisions for other people who are, quote unquote, you know, further down the the career ladder than they are. Mm -hmm. So you and I both know that the way we get to lead ourselves is through massive amounts of continuous personal development. Right. So what are some of, before we, before we get to your rant, (laughs) what are some of your favorite, I guess, tips, tricks, ways to create that mindset that allows you to be a non-traditional leader? What allows you to be a non-traditional leader? Um, Self-acceptance. I think when you accept yourself as you are and see yourself not as a project, not as something that's broken, not as something that needs to be fixed, not as something that has to be this flawless human being. When you just accept yourself as you are, um, that gives you so much space. It gives you so much space to first have, you know, just like I think love and empathy and compassion towards yourself, which then can be an outgrowth as you think about leading a family, leading a community, leading a corporate organization, leading a business, whatever it might be. So I I think self-acceptance first and foremost. Um, And then I think curiosity, right? One of the most important things you can do is get good at asking questions. Because from powerful questions comes powerful answers. And if you can ask yourself hard questions, if you can ask other people hard questions, you can create awareness. And once you've created awareness, then you can start the process of transformation. Mm. I love that. I love that it starts with questions and awareness. Because I think so many times people... I guess, don't consider themselves to be leaders because Mm -hmm. they aren't aware of all these spaces in their life where they're leading Mm -hmm. because they have this, you know, stereotypical view of leadership because they haven't realized that the mold has been completely shattered. Yes. They aren't self-aware enough to know that they are in fact leaders and therefore they aren't aware enough to show up the way they need to, to lead well. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they're just winging it. 
Well, and I think too, it, it doesn't, when you're not aware of something, it doesn't let you own it. Like you can't truly embody what, you know, for example, um, I have all like, ever since I was a kid, I've been told, gosh, you're so articulate. Gosh, you speak so well, you know, and I'm not going to go on the tangent of like telling a black woman she's articulate because that's not the topic of today's conversation. It's something I embrace. I'm an excellent communicator and I know that. However, there was a point where I was just like, I think everyone like is just a good communicator. Right. And then I went, you know, at 18, I started leading and managing people. And then at 23, I was sitting in boardrooms and I was an assistant manager for a bank and I was sitting around a table and I was like, these people aren't very smart or they're not very good at communicating their thoughts. And then I started to realize, oh, this is what people mean when they say you're really articulate and you're a really great communicator. But it wasn't until I cultivated just an awareness of the gap between other people's communication and my own, did I really start to own, oh, you are really good at this. And then it got easier to speak up in places where maybe traditionally it wouldn't have been so comfortable. Stand up and give presentations, you know, do things like podcast interviews where you could pretty much ask me any question and I could answer it with with total confidence, right? But I am able to just own the fact that I know what I know and I can communicate what I know. Like I, I excellent command of the English language, right? And so until you're aware, though, that you have a certain skill set, you can't really own it, wield it, leverage it so that it ultimately benefits you. So I think that's a part of why the awareness factor is so key. You know, someone might be leading exceptionally well, you know, even if it's something like the PTA or a community organization or something like that, they might not see that as leadership, but they're able to set a vision influence, get people to follow through, which is the essence of leadership, right? Compel people to take a specific action that yields a specific result. They might not see that, but someone else comes along and says, hey, did you see what you just did with that group there? And they're like, oh, that was no big deal. Well, no, that was a big deal because not everyone can get people's buy-in. Not everyone can cast a vision. Not everyone can encourage people to follow through. Not everyone can gently hold someone accountable, right? That takes a special skill set. So you've got to be aware of those things. And it takes a skill set more than it takes a title. 100%. Which I think is so important to, to be able to differentiate because you can be the CEO of whatever Fortune 500 company, but if you can't communicate or if you can't lead well, if you can't articulate what the vision is, yes. you could be the smartest freaking CEO this world has ever seen. But if you can't tell me the vision statement of your company in like 30 seconds or less, I don't give a shit. It's true. <laughs> and not just like, tell it but like can you make me feel it like can can you make me exactly exactly 100 percent. totally agree we could do a whole like month of episodes on the criticality of communication and how so many people fail at it but i guess that is one thing right through personal development that you can work on mm-hmm. 
Um, and I would say it's, it's probably up there at the top if you intend to lead people or if you intend to just work in a, a space with other humans. Correct. You need to know how to communicate. Um, so let's move on to our, the topic of, of personal development. Um, so obviously, uh, knowing you, knowing your social media, you do see some issues with the social media driven, uh, personal development arena. Yes. It's, it's... <laughs> oh. <laughs> dot, 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 the floor is yours. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't want to turn anyone off here. I'm, I, we're going to just go for it and just, just trust, right? No, and it's not intended yeah. to turn anyone off. It's an important <laughs> conversation to have because some things that we are seeing in the the personal development space are, I want to say contrite, but I also want to say trash. I'm going to go with trash. Some things are just trash, right? Okay. So, well, and I think just to, to, I, when, when you're chatting with friends, it's always so funny because it's like, okay, we need to bring the listeners in to our offline conversation. So we had some changes around, um, the fact that the personal development industry at last, the last time I checked, and this is a few months old, um, was around $40 billion like annually, right? And so that's a pretty big industry, right? And then when you break that down to like who's spending money, who's investing in books on personal development, coaching and courses and seminars and things like that, the distortion was staggering. Um, 70% of that $40 billion was invested by women, and when I saw that statistic, I was like, what? Like, it was a sticker shock initially. But then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, there is a message that society sends to women about our enoughness, right? Like, are you enough as you are? And it trickles into so many aspects of our lives, we don't even realize it. And so when I started to think about the personal development space, I was just like, even in this arena where we are supposed to be built up and we are supposed to be encouraged to be more ourselves and we are supposed to be, you know, just fueled, right, with this fire of like, you've got this, you can totally pursue your goals, you can pursue your dreams, you can create the life and business and career that you want. There's still this underlying message of, you are not enough. And and I believe that wholeheartedly because if there was not that messaging, women would not be searching the personal development space for some sort of recipe to fix them and make them okay. And I, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, should I say that? I'm in the personal development space. But I also know I don't approach my work from that energy, but I see that a lot. I see it a lot where it's like, we've got to kind of tear you down a little bit in order to prove that my product or my book or my conference or my seminar or, or event is the right one for you. And I just don't believe in that strategy. I don't believe in it at all. I think it's a hundred percent complete trash. And, and I completely agree. Um, so the thing, the question that's coming up for me right now that I want to ask you is, do you think it's a difference, not just in, 
you know, who's Google searching for leadership development because, you know, there's the stereotypical image, right? The man knows that he's got it. He doesn't need to search for it, right? Mm -hmm. Women aren't typically seen in that image. So we search for more. Do you think it's, it's that, or do you think it's also has something to do with the way that personal development is taught to women? Because there is a stark difference. If you Google like leadership development or personal development, and then you Google leadership development for women. Yes. hundred percent. And I don't think that men are being told to manifest their destiny or their next position or their, their first six figures. Mm-hmm. Manifest is a huge trigger word for me because I think it's <laughs> complete and utter bullshit. But like, there, there is a stark difference in the way we are marketed to as well, mm-hmm. which you know forces us almost to spend more money because we're being dealt these development programs that are bogus. Mm-hmm. Manifest it, manifest it, manifest it harder. How about work? How about <laughs> figure out what your income producing activities are and go do them? Yeah. Four times a day, every day. No, manifest it. <laughs> I have many thoughts. Um, and so my, my corporate background, I was in um, my last position I was a director and assistant vice president in a Fortune 500 company. I was personally ranked number two in the world for leadership. What that means is, and that's out of over 300 divisions, over 33 countries, um, and that's in revenue, like how much revenue your division is driving. So I knew how to sell stuff. I knew how to make money. I knew how to like drive a team towards production in terms of like the work, right? Just like, what do you mm-hmm. need to do every day to like get stuff done? Um, and so I would tell my, my managers, my staffing managers that the, their success was always going to be two parts, 80% mindset, 20% skill, like you being able to like do the job bare minimum, right? I could teach pretty much anyone how to do what I used to do. What would make or break them in terms of their success often was their mindset and how they thought about the work that they were doing. So what I believe wholeheartedly is that your thoughts, your beliefs, and your feelings influence your actions. Because as much as we like to think we are rational, logical human beings, we are not. And we make decisions and we act based on how we feel. And so if we feel hopeful or feel like we're in an energy of belief of, I can do this, we work harder. Like twice a week, usually right now it's soccer season. I go to my nephew's soccer games and um, when you can watch the team, you can watch the momentum of the team change if they're in the game and they're excited and they're like, yeah, we totally got this. Like, and they're, they're 13, right? So they're still figuring out competitive sports. And I'll be honest, like he goes to a Christian school and they tend to be very nice, like nicer than I would sometimes like them to be. Cause I'm like, we need to win this game. Like, Let's let's push the dial a little bit. And they're like, no, no, it's okay if we don't win. It's still and I'm like, no, no. Apparently I need to learn soccer a little bit more so I can coach. <laughs> um, but when you believe, you push. When you believe, you work. When you 
feel less belief, when you feel more uncertainty, it gets difficult to motivate yourself to take the actions you know you need to take. So, um, you know, I think I think that there has to be a good balance, right? Because if you actually look at if you look up the word manifest, because I used to have like kind of a reaction to it as well. And that shifted for me when I just looked at the definition. It basically just means like to create something. And so the way that it's used, though, in the personal development space, oh, gosh. (laughs) Here's where it's going to get a little sticky. (laughs) The way that it is sometimes used in the personal development space reminds me a lot of the faith works church movement where it's like, have faith, God will do something for you versus um, you going out in the world in a directive energy, consciously creating your life in alignment with your values, in integrity, as a good person versus like, you know, but not being in the energy of like, oh, I'm just waiting on God. God is going to do it. (laughs) You know, Um, I think we abdicate our power when we say that we're just waiting to manifest something. I think we're abdicating our power when we say we're just waiting for something to happen to us. Though I do believe in God, though I do believe in universal divine support, um, I just also believe there has to be a balance between what your faith is and the actual work that you're doing. Like it has to be both. It can't be one or the other. And I think I have managed to say that without getting in too much trouble. Okay, so this was such a great conversation that it went way over my typical 30-minute episode time frame. So we're going to cut off this conversation here, but I want you to tune in on Tuesday for the Beyond Leadership Short to hear what Ashley has to say about manifestation and why it's so triggering for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah Mayski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. Until next time, let's go.